The Weird Wacky Wonderful Stories podcast is now proud to be part of the Low Tree Studios podcast network. To enjoy more great podcasts like this one, head along to lowtreestudios.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Weird Wacky Wonderful Stories podcast with your hosts Shelley and Bella. Hey everybody and welcome to episode 89 of the Weird, Wacky and Wonderful Stories podcast. Are you sure it's 89? It's 89. Okay. Thank you very much. I, I have got a few of them wrong. Those of our really perceptive listeners will know. No, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're going to get straight into it today, aren't we? I, I'm, I'm following your lead. Okay. Well, we have with us today a psychic medium turned blogger who covers everything from the paranormal to unexplained photos, men in black, and a whole lot more. It's our pleasure to welcome to the show, Michelle Eve. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Michelle. Hello, Shelley. Hello, Bella. Well, we are so thrilled to have you on the show today. We've been following your blog for quite some time now. The blog that we're well, talking thank you about... Very much. Yeah, yeah. The blog that we're talking about is the Mystical Times blog. That's right. How long have you been doing that for? Oh, crikey. Um... On and off, I had it as, an, as something else, mediumistic readings, and I thought, well, why not sort of bring everything into it? So probably at most school times, I've been running for about a year. I tend to always log on on a Sunday because you, <laughs> uh, you do a special thing on a Sunday, don't you? Yeah, I do a spooky Sunday, which I put up one of my favourite photographs that could have a paranormal element to it, whether it be ghosts, strange figures, UFOs something like that, and uh, I write a little bit about it because I like people to look, and perhaps if they're really interested in the photo, they'll go and take a, a deeper dive in the information behind the photo. Yeah, well, we release our show on a Sunday, as you know, so it must be something about Sundays, ah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> not a day of rest, is it? No, not a day of rest. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> not for us, no. So what got you started in this? Well, I've had lots of different sort of experiences throughout my life. Um, I was actually brought up, my parents were spiritualists. Okay. So that's, that's the only sort of religion I knew growing up. And it all started off, I guess, when I was three years old. Three. Well, that's, that's, a, that's an early introduction to it. Yeah, what happened? It is, it is. I can't quite remember it myself, so I'm going on like what my parents have told me. When I was three, I went fishing with my dad, and I, I was sat next to him, and he looked around, and I wasn't there. I was actually floating face down in the water. Oh, goodness. <laughs> yeah, and he got me out. I can't remember much about this. I do remember my mum putting me in the kitchen sink to wash off all the, you know, the debris from the river. And a couple of months after that sort of traumatic experience, um, I was visited by my dad's dad, who's my grandfather, James. And he would come and read me stories at bedtime. But the thing is, grandfather James, he had died uh, over 20 years before I was born. Oh, my. Did your parents know? Like, did you tell them? And I told them. Yes, I told them. And what I found interesting about that experience as I grew older and, and sort of learned more and experienced more was that my uh, granddad James he wasn't able to talk and he couldn't hear oh right but when I saw him reading me stories and and that you know he was talking and he was listening so I found that quite extraordinary yeah definitely do you think that mm. that was something that you know people say that when they go over into the spirit they're not afflicted by the things that they may have been afflicted with in the in the sort of physical world do you think that that's possibly why he was able to tell you those stories? And Yeah, I guess so. I guess, you know, my sort of thought on, you know, if we do live after this physical life, is that we're perhaps some sort of energy and we can do all the things that perhaps you couldn't do when we were alive? I don't know. <laughs> A lot of people tend to say, don't they, that we are almost restricted. We're caged in in these meat bodies. Yeah, I think if you think about consciousness, 
I think that can tap into other consciousnesses, <laughs> however you say it, from other people or people of past or other unexplained things. I really do. I, th- I, I do think some people are more sensitive. And not only that, it seems to be that people that have had some sort of a trauma like surgery or a heart attack or, you know, you almost drowning or whatever, they put their foot in the door, don't they, of something else or somewhere else. And then it's almost like it has a tether there. Yeah, Yeah, it's almost as though you've slightly opened that door and it allows you in and and things to come out, energies, consciousness, things like that. Yeah, I, I think... Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. So your parents, you said, were spiritualists, and they obviously sort of introduced you to that. So presumably their interest in these kind of things predated you. So if you have, and I'd like to talk about this a little bit later on anyway, if you have these sort of mediumistic skills, then did your mother or father exhibit a similar skill? Not particularly, no, but my mother's father... He was very psychic. She's Irish and from from Southern Ireland. And her father used to have dreams with premonitions in uh, about world events. And apparently he used to write to the leaders of these countries, whoever whoever they were, and respond. They would respond back and they would correspond to to and fro about his dreams. Yeah, I'm, I'm yet to find the letters. I'm talking to my aunt as in writing to her, and I'm hoping that she's got them because that would be absolutely wonderful to find those. That would be. So mm. do you see your abilities as a gift, or do you kind of wish that you weren't able to do what you I do? I sometimes or? wish that I didn't have it because uh, I, I'm quite introvert by nature. So having to sort of, uh, when I used to give readings, it'd be all very emotional. And, you know, I found that quite difficult. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're an introvert. I, I mean, you're I, not mediumistic, but, but no, you're but, a real introvert. Yeah, I am very, you wouldn't know it on here, but in front of real people that are right in the room with me, I'm I'm awful. Yeah, I mean, even yeah, even me we've been married for how long now? Don't look at me. Too like long, that. maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, hello, was what? It'll ten, be ten, ten years. years soon, yeah. yeah, and still, when she's in the room with my parents, she's quiet and yeah. wants to be spoken to, and it's bizarre. Yeah. But it's just the way she yeah. was brought up. She wasn't. She's never sort of that extrovert. And people may you know see her in the room or whatever, and and think, oh, she's bloody rude. But she's not. She just. <laughs> no. she just. She's just not one to start a conversation no i'm a bit like that as well if i don't know you very well i'll be a bit hesitant and i'll be very quiet and i can come across as rude as well (laughs) so i i hear you bella (laughs) (laughs) so what sort of people come to you what do most people come to you about is it wanting to know contact with their loved ones who are gone or people that have lost things? I mean, what sort of things happen? Yeah, it's usually people who want a connection with a loved one who's passed. I don't know. I think it's part of the grief process that they want that connection because, you know, when someone does pass away, it's very final. Mm. And I just think they want that that reassurance that they're still there somewhere. Do you think, and uh, this actually just came to me, when you try to contact someone for a family member, do you take them away from something? You know, or are they kind of always around? How, how is it, do you think, that they're able to contact you? It's almost like they're on the air. They're neither here nor there, hmm. but you can sense them. Do you think it's almost like an intuition? Do you think it's a heightened intuition rather than a natural hearing, seeing things? Is it more of an intuition that you get? No, because a lot of times I'll see them. Okay. Yeah, and I'll hear them or I'll dream about them. And I don't know who they are, or, or but it will pertain to a reading. Can you tell the difference from a regular dream and a dream where someone is contacting you? Yeah, because I'm quite lucid in the dream. I'm quite aware. I'll, I'll smell. I'll see. I can touch. It, it, it takes on a very different feeling. One of the first podcasts we did, I, I talked about my mother who is yes. gone. Yeah. And yeah. not so much now, but, you know, when she first was gone, if if I had a dream about her and she was wearing a certain outfit and her hair was done a certain way it was always the same and it was always a Mm -hmm. warning right okay and I always could tell 
that it was different to a regular dream, but I couldn't really say how come I could tell. It was just every single time she looked the same way, wearing the same thing, with her hair the same way, no matter where it was, you know? Yeah, yeah. It sounds like, obviously, being a mother, and you're a mother yourself and that, and so am I, you would want to warn your children, no matter Mm -hmm. how old they are, of something that perhaps they needed to be aware of. Yeah. I mean, I can remember having a conversation and saying to her, you know, where are you? And she said, well, I can't tell you that. And I said, well, what is it like? And she said, you know, I'm not allowed to tell you about that. I was, I'm allowed to come back to tell you what I'm telling you, to give you this warning or whatever, but I can't tell you what it's like where I am. So it was really strange. Could be no words for it in our in our vocabulary to describe it, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it, it could be something that words don't don't explain it enough. Anyway, it was just I was just curious if you could tell. <laughs> Can I just say something, Bella? When um I was invited to do an interview for your um, podcast, I thought to myself because I know you don't talk as much as Shelley on the podcast usually, and I thought, oh, Bella, Bella, and I kind of blinked in without thinking I was linking in and I I felt a mother figure and then Elvis and I thought oh don't be so silly <laughs> you're thinking Bella's American you know Elvis is American oh don't be silly and I just stopped it there but then I thought right I'm going to listen to your first podcast and I found out that your mum was one she, of the bodyguards yeah, in the team did, for Elvis. yeah she did it yeah she um was part of the security team yeah yeah. That's pretty weird, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's cool, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just thought that was my monkey mind, you know, <laughs> when I do readings. <laughs> I have to go in a, like a meditative state. I'll listen to music and just sort of calm myself down and just sort of open up, which sounds a bit silly, but as in, you know, just calm down and whatever w- w- comes, comes, you know. I was going to ask you about your monkey mind. You, you mentioned it in some of your posts, actually, and, yes, and specifically yeah. the one which is entitled A Reading, A Dream, and A Serial Killer. Oh, gosh, yeah. That was I, really freaky. I would love you to, oh. to tell our listeners about that story, if, if you know it offhand. Yes, I, yes, I do. Um, yeah, I was asked to give a reading over Skype. Someone wanted a photo of their grandparents read. And back in those days, this is like 2012, I think, when you had a one Gmail account sent to another, you could tell if they'd opened it or not. Yeah, the so read receipt. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, thank you, Shelley. <laughs> <laughs> so I um, I said I wouldn't open it until the reading on Skype. And so we did the reading. And I, as I tell everybody, when I have a reading, sometimes I'll have dreams before or after which will pertain to the information that you need to know or to do with your reading. So the reading went really well. Uh, The lady was very happy. And then that night, I went to sleep, as usual, and I had a dream, and I was very lucid in the dream. And something made me turn, and I saw it was Ted Bundy. Oh, jeez. It was like, yeah, it was like in a 70s kind of chat show. The newest I can think of it is um, Murph Griffin. Griffin, mm-hmm, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, all the sparkle and, and, and all that. And his eyes were so intense and he was sort of dressed up like a um, chat show host used to be. And he kind of looked at me and, uh, oh, it was revolting. It, well, I'm, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it now. <laughs> and he bowed and his left arm went towards this lit up black chair, just one singular chair. And I was so horrified, I woke up. And that really shocked me that, you know, I knew about him. I didn't know much about him because obviously it was in America and not in the UK. Mm. So uh, I thought, oh, do I tell this person that this is what I've dreamt about? You know, it was horrible. And so I thought, no, I'd best say, and then they can just laugh at me and then it would just be down to a, a, you know, a nightmare. So I emailed, apologizing, saying, look, this is a dream I had. Ted Bundy was there. This happened, that happened. And, you know, it was revolting. The reply I got back, it <laughs> it was the, the lady's turn to apologize to me. Apparently, one of her grandmothers in the photo 
um, had a ladies who lunch sort of group, and Ted Bundy's mother was one of the ladies who lunched in this oh. group. <laughs> so wow. there was a connection. I was just, oh, yeah, it's horrible. When I read that one, I was mm. like, Oh my, you know, like... <laughs> well, you've got a fascination with, I guess, the process of serial killers being caught, haven't you? So it's ah. it's how they mess up and get caught. I mean, obviously, they mess up every time they do something wrong, but it's what happens that actually gets them caught is the thing that really interests me. And right. then I don't want to necessarily hear the details of what they did, but why, mm-hmm. you know, just, yeah. it's just the why do you feel the need to do that and then like I said and how they get caught and it's usually something so stupid that Mm -hmm. you know gets them caught so tell me Michelle in terms of what you kind of believe the process is yeah what do you think actually happened there do you think that a consciousness that actually was Ted Bundy visited you or do you think that it was you picking up on other sort of residual information Uh, I mean how does that work could have been both. I, I really don't understand the process. I just go along with it. Yeah, what frightened me in the sense that someone who's done so many horrendous crimes and um, how he, you know, he escaped and then he, you know, he didn't hire a lawyer. He did it himself. The arrogance of the man. He escaped from jail like three times, I think. Yeah, it was just, but having put this blog out, I was then contacted by someone on Twitter to say, I've had a dream about him too. What? Mm. <laughs> but they jumped about, he was on the gurney after he'd been executed. She was by the gurney, this, this lady, in her dream, with Ted Bundy laid out on it. And she said, all of a sudden, his head turned around and looked at her and his eyes opened. Wow. And again, it scared her awake. And I said to her, now tell me, was he bald in your dream? Had he a shaven head? Now you come to mention it. Yes, he did. And I said, I've seen the, the, the photo after he'd been executed and his head had been shaven. Yeah. So so I don't know what's going on with that. <laughs> yeah, it makes you wonder, doesn't it? If someone is, yeah. is that psychologically disturbed, have they got some kind of crazy sort of psychic ability? Do you know what I mean? They're, they're so sort of off the scale so in yeah. terms of their mental state. They have to be to yeah. do the kind of things they're doing. If, as some people believe, that as well as the consciousness, obviously we're the mind, we're the thoughts, we're the feelings. Yeah. If someone's got feelings that extreme, it makes mm-hmm. you wonder whether actually they would have more of an ability to come back than the average Joe. Yeah, because they're sort of desperate to get that that feeling Fixed, again of, yeah. of what they did, how it made them feel. Yeah. Yeah. Creepy. Mm, it is creepy. Your blog doesn't only just deal with things that, you know, have affected you and that, you know, you've experienced, but also it goes into other historical stories that you come across. Yeah. One of them that yeah. I was quite interested in was the Finnish folklore, the Etiainen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If that's how you say it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I apologize to all your Finnish speakers <laughs> because I'm going to try and pronounce. There's three Finnish words here, and I've been listening and listening. I've wrote, written it out phonetically. So, yeah, now this is the, uh, right, let's try that. It's etiainen, etiainen, etiainen. Well, I, I, can, <laughs> I, I can speak certain words in Finnish. And yeah, that's not one <laughs> so, of them. That's not one of them, but, I did, but the, yes, etiainen is how I would say it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so the etiainen. <laughs> comes under the heading of another beautiful Finnish word called Holplier. Now, Holplier is the guardian spirit of everything, all places, all people, all items. So, Etiainen, it means an image, a doppelganger, premonition, or just a knowing of, of what someone would do in the very near future. So, a lot of people I've spoken to perhaps don't believe in paranormal or spiritual things and that. A lot of them would say they've had this happen, and I'll give an example of uh, you're at home alone, and you hear the keys going in your front door, and you expect a member of your household to come through. So you hear the, the, the keys go, the door opens, door shuts, you hear the footsteps, you even see a shadow. You go out to greet them, there's no one there. Hmm. <laughs> then, within the next hour, 
the member of your household who you thought had come in before comes in and does exactly what you heard previously. Yeah, it's it's that whole doppelgangers thing is freaky. We did a show, do you remember, right at the start we did a show on doppelgangers and some of the crazy stories that fit into that where... As you say, mother and father are at home. They expect their daughter home at the usual time after school. They hear the school bus come down. They hear her running up the footpath. They hear her come in the house and run upstairs. You know, sort of an hour later, like you said, suddenly the child comes in through the front door. And the parents say, well, hang on a minute. Where have you been? And said, what do you mean where have I been? I've been at school. Well, no, you came home an hour ago. No, I haven't. I've had netball practice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do you think that comes from? I really don't know. It's it's sort of, of an impression, isn't it? And it's not like your mind making it up. Like with my partner, he comes home at various times. So I don't quite know when to expect him um, unless he calls beforehand. But even when he's called beforehand, I've had the same thing happen. I don't know. Is it? Is it like, are we on some sort of video game and <laughs> you know someone's pressed pause or i, I was going to say really almost know. like a glitch in the matrix like the, it, yeah. the universe <laughs> is kind of expecting this to happen today i suppose you could follow it down the parallel universes sort of thing that, couldn't that's you? what i was thinking yeah, yeah. and it just bleeds yeah. through a little bit that's right yeah and also with dogs apparently it happens a lot with dogs as well i think it's rupert sheldrake he's looked into that and uh the dogs know 10 minutes before a person's coming home so they start getting all excited and no one's expecting that person home but the dog knew how (laughs) yeah and they've actually done experiments on that haven't they where they send someone home who you know wasn't expected home for a couple of hours and yet the dog knows and even they've sent them back and changed the route because they wonder whether there's something on the route i remember reading that study that rupert sheldrake actually talks about our poor dog thinks everything is for her (laughs) <laughs> she, can t- she can tell time because she knows when it's time to eat you know she mm-hmm. she knows she's she's amazing really talking about glitch in the matrix and parallel universes yeah. and all that sort of stuff you cover some stories within your blog on things like time yeah. slips which oh, I, I love you- time slips yeah so you've, you talk <laughs> about one on bold street in liverpool that's right. Now, this street, Bold Street, is very well known for time slip. It's just amazing, yeah. And this particular one, it happened at a lunchtime in the 1980s to a lady. I'll, I'll call her Carol. She worked in the city of Liverpool. And when it, the weather was nice, she would go and sit on the bench in Bold Street and, you know, enjoy her, her sandwiches. One day, she sat on this bench and she noticed there was a gentleman sitting on the other side. But she said it was weird because it was like the sunlight dimmed, like there was an eclipse and that the the city centre become less busy. It's just an odd visual and an odd feeling. And then the gentleman at the other end of the bench started talking to her and, you know, making small talk. And she turned to look at him and he was kind of dressed smart, but it was like from the 1950s, sort of quite sharp suits and and Mm. that. So she was unpacked her sandwiches. She put her bits in the bin that she didn't need. And as she was talking to her, she turned around. He wasn't there. So she he looked. was just gone. <laughs> yeah, just gone. Just vanished. She looked, looked, looked. And he had absolutely disappeared. And then the sun become brighter. And then it become busy again. Mm. That's just. <laughs> it is you're not just talking one instance of strangeness there are you you're not just talking no. about the fact of there was a guy there wearing a strange suit there was a guy there that seemed out of place and then you've yeah. got all of a sudden the traffic and the street suddenly Eclipse. became quieter mm. and then you've got the sunlight changed and dimmed yes. and you've got he wasn't there and and yet he interacted with her i know i know that's so bizarre that's like when we did that interview with lionel fanthorpe remember and he was talking about the guy that had to go to the Toomlands, Toomlands toilets. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yes, yeah. Your blog is just full of these really cool stories, and <laughs> you have photos as well. So, like you said, that on a Sunday sometimes you'll share these pictures and really try and get people to, like you said, for either follow it up themselves or yeah. to give their opinions on it. One yes. such image, which I've poured over and tried to think of how it's done, and I understand double exposures that happen with films. Uh, this doesn't really follow that theme. This particular one and that's the one which is the mystery of the Solway spaceman oh wow yeah there's a lot of arguments about this it was his wife 
in the photo and, and that. But there is so much more behind this story. The couple of paragraphs I've written about this goes on for a couple more paragraphs when I decided to do a deep dive on it. So, yeah, this, this is about a photo Jim Templeton took of his daughter, Elizabeth, who was five, and this was back in 1964 in Cumbria. He took three of the same pose. It's quite a sweet photo, apart from mm. <laughs> what's coming out, looks like coming out of her head. And only on, on one of the photos, there's this mysterious white figure. It looks like they're bending their elbow, and has got some sort of helmet, hat, head covering on. And he wondered, what on earth is that? Because he only saw like two elderly ladies in the same vicinity as he was. So he sent it to Kodak and they said it was a genuine photo. It hadn't been tampered with in any way. And they actually offered a reward to anyone who could explain the image. But no one selected that reward. But he also took it to the police. And she did pack back in those sort of days when something mm. was a bit amiss. But it was after he contacted the police that he had these two strange men show up. What we, we would now call them the men in black. Mm-hmm. They were sort of dressed very strange, smart, but very strange. And they had no ID on them. But they were asking him lots of questions. And he was like, well, what, what are your names? So, you know, I can address you. And they said their names were nine and 11, okay? Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, wow. so for some reason, Jim Templeton thinks it's a good idea to go with them in their car to where the photograph was taken. It's kind of in the middle of nowhere, five miles from where he lived. And they kept asking him many questions about this photo. And the only time they showed emotion was when Jim Templeton said to them, there was animals, they sounded quite disturbed and like they were being hurt at the time of me taking these photos. That's when they just become a little bit emotional, but then they just left him there. Really? Didn't even even drop him up? Yeah, thanks for showing us where it was. Um, Yeah, you can walk home. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, that's thanks for you. (laughs) That's a weird thing about men in black, isn't it? Like, you would think Mm. that by now they would figure out that maybe they ought to wear some jeans and... You know, not well, look the so conspicuous. Is, the theory is that there's two different types of men in black. There's the actual government sort of CIA operatives that come and find out. And then there's the men in black, which people seem to think are maybe alien in origin. Mm. Well, either way, yeah. you know, if, they, if, if they're alien <laughs> men in black, don't you think enough of them have been down here to go, hey, yeah, we really stick out like a sore thumb down there. Maybe we should get a baseball hat and, you know. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you think that, wouldn't you? But mm. it's, uh, yeah. But this is another layer now to this. As I say, I, t- I took a deep dive and uh, found out a little bit more. Now, several days after this photo, Jim Templeton took of his daughter with the figure in white at the back of her head. Two figures in white were seen at the Woomera test range in South Australia. And they were at this test range, they were preparing to launch a missile called the Blue Streak. But they abandoned it because the technician saw these two figures mm. and he likened it to the photograph of the Solway spaceman. But another layer to this, yeah, another layer was the actual missile called the Blue Streak was actually built at RAF Spade Adam in Cumbria, just a few miles away from where mm. the Solway spaceman photo was taken. Wow. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it's just bizarre. I wish I'd have known this last week because we interviewed Paul Sinclair last week. Oh, brilliant. oh yeah. And yeah. Um, he's going to be on. Uh, well, it's not going to mean anything to the listeners because they're listening to it out of sort of order. Yeah. He yeah. will have been on just before you. All <laughs> oh, right. Oh, the oh, the my episode God, just what before you. Follow. <laughs> <laughs> so um, brilliant. He would have been really interested to have asked that. I wonder if he knows anything about that. I might send him a text after this and see if he knows. Yeah. Do do it. Yeah. Let me know. Yeah, we'll do. <laughs> so one of the stories that I thought was really sad and weird was the one about Maud's Elm. Oh yeah, yeah. That's that's local to me. And um, us. Yeah. <laughs> and, and even more so, Bryce, who's now in Cheltenham University. Yeah. Oh, uh, is it? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we've lost our editor. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I heard, yeah. Oh. <laughs> well, he's not far from me. He's about 15 miles away from me then. So oh, wow. you need me to pop in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah. can you tell that story about Maud? Yeah, this is uh, like a, a folklore town. I love folklore because I think they always have a nugget of truth, whatever mm. that truth is. 
there's there's a nugget of it in there. Now, this was about a young girl. Some reports say she was 15. Others say she was a little bit older, but we'll say she's 15. Uh, her name was Maud Bowen, and she lived with her mother in Swindon Village in Cheltenham. And Maud was said to be a really lovely young young girl and very hardworking. This one day, she offered to take her family's work, they were spinners, to the market to sell them. And uh, and their mother, Margaret, said, fine, that, that, you know, you go and do that. But as time went on, her mother, Margaret, realized she'd been gone a bit too long. By the time night fell, she knew something had happened to Maud. So uh, her mother alerted the other residents of the village and they all come and help try to find Maud. And it wasn't until sunlight the next day that poor Maud was found face down, drowned in a local stream. Mm. Yeah, then the um, other villagers found the corpse of her uncle, Geoffrey, nearby. But he had been killed with an arrow through his heart. But he also held the fabric of Maud's dress in his hands. So a little bit... We think what's going on. Yeah. Uh, back in those days, yeah, back in those days, the Lord of the Manor ruled those lands and he appointed a coroner to investigate what happened to both Maud and her uncle. The coroner came up with a verdict that Maud had murdered her uncle and then had thrown herself into the water and drowned herself. So they ordered Maud to be buried at crossroads, which is what they did back in the day if you were a murderer or suicide. But to add extra punishment after death to her, they um, said she was to have a stake for her heart. And this stake was from an elm tree. And this is where the story of Maud's elm comes from, because it was from that stake this great big elm tree grew. But anyway, several months after her death, Maud's mother had gone to the crossroads, you know, because that's where her daughter's body was. And, yeah. you know, she wanted to feel close to her daughter. But then the Lord of the Manor and his men rode by and they told her to move from Maud's resting place. But her mother refused to do that. So one of the, the men of the, of the Lord of the Manor tried to physically remove her. And as this was happening, an arrow came from nowhere and killed the man who was trying to remove Maud's mother. So this, <laughs> this obviously upset the Lord, and he declared, <laughs> he declared Margaret Bowen, Maud's mother, as a witch and gave orders for her to be burnt on her daughter's grave at the crossroads. So when the execution was taking place, the Lord of the Manor was really riled up and he was really angry and he was really goading Margaret. Poor woman, she's bound and going to be set fire to, but some nice Lord he was. But then when the, the fire became fierce, it let out a really unnatural sound. And then the fire fell into itself. And the, the smoke engulfed all the crowds watching and the Lord of the Manor himself. But when the smoke lifted, Margaret Bowen, Maud's mother, was nowhere to be seen. And the Lord of the Manor was dead, shot uh, with an arrow through his heart. So Lovely. Yeah, yeah. So many years later, some old man moved into the Maud's old cottage. And he was he used to sit by the crossroads where Maud had been buried, always looked sad and uh, full of thought. And his name was Walter Balding. And he had been Maud's sweetheart when they were both young. Hmm. When it comes for poor Walter to die on his deathbed, he revealed what happened that fateful night when Maud went missing. He overheard the Lord of the Manor talking to Maud's uncle that he wanted the uncle to kidnap her because he lusted after Maud and wanted her for his own wicked ways. Ah. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so the plan was for the uncle to help kidnap Maud. But when Maud saw them, she screamed really loudly. And Walter had been in a nearing uh, little copse of trees. And he went rushing to where the scream had come from. And Walter had his trusty bow and arrow on him and he shot it and it killed the uncle. But the Lord ran away and poor Maud had, had stumbled, smashed her head and drowned in the uh, in the water. But he also, Walter, also admitted to shooting the man who tried to move Margaret away from her daughter's grave. And he killed the Lord at the execution. He did all of um, it. Which helped, <laughs> yeah. And he helped Maud's mother escape from her death sentence. 
So there you go. <laughs> I wonder what the Maud's mother was like. Do you realise the trouble you bloody caused? <laughs> Can you imagine? I, you almost burned me at the stake for that. Why didn't you stand up then and say it was you? <laughs> Yeah, thanks, Walter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. nice one, mate. <laughs> <laughs> now, now what, drew, <laughs> what drew my attention to this is that one of the local newspapers, the elm tree was cut down in 1906, as I previously previously said, but the land that is, it was grown on is now up for sale for housing to be on it. And I'm just thinking, oh, now if any... Even if a nugget of this is true, something awful happened there. But yeah. I wonder how it's going to affect people living in those new houses on that land. Yeah, that is crazy. I, I mean, you hear a lot of stories, don't you, about things that go on on certain land. And I tell you what, we were pretty brutal people in this country. Still are. Yes. What are you talking about? No, we were. I mean, really brutal, weren't we? And it's yeah, no wonder that definitely. we've got some spirits around here that are noisy, let's say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Especially if you bring the religion side into it, if you know they brought up very religiously, they'll probably be scared if they thought they did anything wrong and, you know, to, to go where they need to go next. Yeah. What is an apport? And a, okay, an apport is, it's an old uh, French Latin sort of word, but it's an alleged transference of a physical object from one place to another. But we don't really know where it's from. It just appears. Oh, right. Okay. So like people have found like coins and stones and... Well, you've got a story in your blog that talks about an apport. It yeah. was in June of 2020. Do you want to tell us about that? Yeah, it was, as I say, word of mouth, the readings. And a friend of mine would help facilitate where these readings could be held. And this time it was at a business school. And we went in one of the teaching rooms that no one was using because I was given a reading to one of the ladies who uh, worked on the admin side of the business school and gave her the reading. What I didn't know before is that she had wanted her grandfather to come through, and, and he did, and I was able to give her evidence. He gave the things she wanted and the sort of evidence to prove that it was him, even his name. So she was really happy, and it's very emotional. Sometimes with this reading and sometimes with others, if someone's very nervous, they can kind of, it, it stops me from doing what I need to do. So sometimes mm. I'll say to someone, can I just hold your hand? <laughs> I know it sounds bizarre, but it helps. It helps with that connection. And this is what I had to do to this lady. And uh, so it's very emotional. She went back to work. She was very emotional. And I was emotional because it takes it out of me. And so I'm just sitting there gathering my thoughts, having a drink of water, the usual sort of things. And I go out this classroom door and she's running <laughs> running towards me with this photograph in her hand and she's like Michelle Michelle I just found this on my keyboard in my office and look it's me and my sister when we were you know youngsters and I said okay she said yeah but the only two people who had copies of this was my own parents and my grandparents one who come through on the reading no one else has got a copy but it appeared on her keyboard in her office that was it wow. <laughs> Where did that come from? I, I didn't know about ports and, and things like that then. I really didn't. Wow. Um, and it, I was just so, like, bizarre. And, and how did it end up? She was, she was asking me. And I was like, sorry, I don't know. That's it. What kind of mechanism would cause that? It's just, uh, it just blows my mind. Does the ghost yeah. kind of go to where they know it is, pick it up, and then take it to wherever it's going to, you know, yeah. they need to drop it and then drop it down? Or can they summon it or call it or, you know, manifest yeah, it in yeah. some way? Because uh, this, yeah, this, it, yeah. this, this is one of the things that freaks me out when it comes to <laughs> objects. Because yes. I can understand yeah. if we're talking about physics... And if we're, yeah. even though there's no scientific sort of explanation for it per se, but with some kind of a scientific bent, you can kind of think, okay, we're energy. We are able to think and feel and do all of these crazy things with our brain. And you mm -hmm. hear about people who've got, you know, telekinesis powers and all the rest of it. So, so there might be something extra to our brain. We know it runs on electricity, so that's power and all the rest of it. Yeah. But then when you think of a photo, mm -hmm. a photo is doesn't, a thing it, you know it's inanimate it to our knowledge it's not got any specific energy it may have used to when it was a tree maybe that's yeah. how it's connected i don't know but when you start finding these objects that have mm. a power 
yeah. I just don't understand where that com- comes from. And I can't, no. it's one of the craziest things that I find to try and get my head around. Actually, that, that's why I love it, because it is a little bit loop-the-loop. And it is, and I, yeah, uh, it's just, just, I know there's spiritualist church who have cabinet for a port to appear when they're in a group circle and loads of different things have come through. So I really don't know. Do you still attend like a spiritualist church? If you don't mind me asking, you don't um, have to talk about religion no, if no. you don't want to. No, I, I, I'm not a spiritualist myself. I'm more sort of a Taoist, hmm. sort of Eastern philosophy sort of thing. and A bit of everything, I guess, but mainly a sort of Taoist in the philosophy sense. Uh, but I will go from time to time because I've got a friend who likes to go. So, you know, we just go and, and just see what's happening. <laughs> and what is that? Just a gathering of people who can do things that most people can't do? or A spiritualist church service is pretty much like a, a an ordinary church service. You've got hymns, you've got readings, um, but then they'll have a demonstration of mediumship. So someone oh, right. will be... Yeah, to, to give readings from the, say, the audience's congregation, isn't it? Yeah, they'll give readings as proof of evidence yeah. of life after death. Out of all of your experience and all the research that you've done and all of your work with the mm-hmm. paranormal and your mediumship talents, if you can call them talents, uh, I, don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't know how you would how you would sort of say that, but have you found any answers? Uh, no, no. I think it's just a journey. Because I haven't even written about this yet because I'm still got my head around it. It happened 20 years ago when I lived in a haunted house. <laughs> oh. This is what started, kick-started all this off, you see. I, I really don't know. Uh, also, another person experienced. My uh, big sister, four and a half years ago, um, died of brain cancer. Uh, oh. She was living in Australia at the time. And, of course, I get the dream and she's there telling me she's died. Oh. <laughs> it's, yeah, and then the next day, because obviously you know, the, the, the times and that between yeah. Australia and, and the UK. And she had, she had died. Oh, goodness me. So that's when I don't like it, you know, when it's it's quite personal or I can pick up things and I really don't need to know them because it, it can make you feel quite anxious. Yeah, no doubt. I suppose at the moment, with uh, with oh. everything that's going on in the world at the moment and with the number of people that are becoming seriously ill and unfortunately passing mm. due to the current pandemic, I guess yeah. that as a medium, uh, and I know you don't you do not do readings for people now, is that right? No, not really. If someone was really in need yeah. and I was feeling very centred, I would, yeah. <laughs> okay, so I'm not, I'm not saying yeah. this from an advertising point of view for, oh, for no, you or no. anything, but do you find that, you're getting approached by spirits. I don't know whether it works that way for you. We've had Paul Humphreys on before, and he he gets approached oh. by spirits. They come to him and say, "Look, can you can you speak to?" He was, I think, he was said he was stood in the butchers, wasn't he, at one point, and a spirit came up to him, and and the person that he needed to contact was behind him. And, um, oh gosh! And he had to turn around to someone in the queue and say, "Look, I'm really sorry, but I'm being told this." Do you do you have a similar sort of thing happen, and and would that become I, more prevalent now with the current situation? Well, um, I've had that happen in the past. I kind of shut it down, as in, you know, centering on myself and yeah. for that not to happen. But sometimes it will spill through. <laughs> I find it really hard to approach people if I've been given a message because a lot of people just look at you as if you're totally crazy. Yeah. Or the cry or something. So I, I I try not to do that, but I would imagine that people who are working, uh, you know, or, or doing mediumship would be approached by um, spirit. They don't block it off, do they? Where you kind of no. don't want that to happen, they may no. not be okay with it. Yeah, so yes. do you think the spirit yeah. will consent that you've kind of got your guard up? I think so, because I will just say, oh, it's my monkey mind, and I'll dismiss it. And it somehow disconnects that. Mm. (laughs) yeah so of all of the sort of experiences that you've had and people that you've helped with communication and all that what is the one that stands out to you the most it's a difficult one um i remember giving another lady a reading and it was her grandfather as well who come through and she was quite an anxious person she was asking all these questions and i was picking up on what this energy the spirit of a grandfather whichever way you want to look at it was giving me and it really helped her but then she said like a lot of people say i really need his name and by this time i've given her like an hour and a half 
which yeah. is my friend now, but at the time, <laughs> yeah. it's like an hour and a half, and I was quite drained. And then she said, I really need to know it's him. Please, please get him to, to say his name. And all of a sudden, I, I, this is the first time it's happened. It's almost like I felt overtook, and I took my left hand, slammed it on the table, and I said her grandfather's name. And she sort of went back. She said, oh, my God, that's exactly how he would be. And it frightened <laughs> me. It, it, it frightened me, but I was also like, wow, where does this come from? Yeah. So, uh, that, I think about that a lot because it was almost as though I had vacated my body and this grandfather energy spirit had overtaken, even with the mannerisms. Yeah, wow. And does that leave you then, I know that you said you, you very often feel emotionally drained and everything. Do you? Mm. Does that kind of thing make you feel physically drained? Are they kind of stealing some of your energy to, to make that kind of thing happen? Yeah, it's almost like you have to sort of charge yourself. Like I say, I would like put on music, not like meditative music, but like Metallica or something, you know. Just Go on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> anything like heavy, you know, that I can really get into. It's almost like... um you know, like a dance, if you know what I mean. And then it's like, right, I've got the energy. So you almost charge yourself up mm. to take care of that extra energy that the spirit will take from you. Get your you know adrenaline I mean. going. and <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But you also have to remain centered. It's really odd. It's almost like patting your head and rubbing your tummy sort of thing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that one kind of surprised you the most. I want to ask you, what yeah. do you think was the scariest? You mentioned earlier about a haunted house. I don't know whether it's got anything yeah. to do with that maybe or... Yes. What would you say is your scariest encounter that with the paranormal? The scariest. Okay, um, this one particular incident, living in this haunted house, it was me and my two boys then. They were in their bedroom. I was in my bedroom. My bedroom was at the back. Now, the back of the house was over the living room which was next to the kitchen. It had a little sort of lean-to conservatory with glass. Mm -hmm. And I remember my boys being in bed because I'd worked late that night. And I remember just sitting in my bed relaxing. And all of a sudden, I heard one of the windows get smashed in this lean-to conservatory. And I heard what was someone dragging one foot across the living room carpet. They even bumped into the vacuum cleaner that I'd left there. Uh -huh. <laughs> oh, sounds and like Bella. Oh, shush. <laughs> <laughs> I say, do it, Bella, just in case there's any ghosts. You know, you catch <laughs> but, but um, yeah, and I heard it, and I had my mobile phone in my hand, and just, I could just feel the fear and tension. Oh, my God, someone's broken in. I'm here with my two sons. What do I do? And all of a sudden, I heard a noise, and it was the doorknob of the doorway from the living room up to the stairs. And that was going, that was going crazy. And I thought, oh my God, I was just about to dial 999 and it just stopped and it just cleared. The, what I was feeling, it just cleared. Why? All that tension and fear, it just went. It was Why? really weird. So I had to go downstairs. I went downstairs with some sort of weapon as in <laughs> a <laughs> curtain pole or something, you know, and it, nothing had been broken. No one had been in there. Nothing had been disturbed. But I, I moved out after that. I, um, I was renting, and I continued renting that and the new place. That's how scared I was. Wow. You've just answered my next question, because my next question <laughs> was going to be that whenever you see these movies on TV to do with hauntings, the first thing you say is, oh, I'd be out of there, sod that. Mm. Yeah. Um, as soon as yeah. it went, get out, I'd be gone. <laughs> <You know? Yeah. laughs> I kind of think to myself, because we've had some things go on here, Oh, well, okay. we, we keep seeing an image of a person, an adult. That's all we can right. say. It's a dark figure yeah. walking down the hallway. We've yep. both seen that. And up and down the stairs. Um, we were watching yeah. something <laughs> about the Amityville. I always say that wrong. Oh, my God. The yeah. Amityville thing the other day. The guy, what was the guy's name, Bella? Uh, one Danny, of the, I think. Was it, it one was, of the sons? One yes. of the sons, yeah. So we were watching the show that he's done recently, talking about his time back then. So it wasn't yeah. It wasn't the dramatisation of it. It wasn't the scary thing. It was interviews. It and was, he, he was a documentary, around, you know. Yeah, he was going around meeting, meeting people and what have you. And... So we weren't kind of scared or, or of heightened sort of, you know, anxiety or anything like that at the time. Yeah. And all of a sudden, something we, above us in bed, because we're watching it in bed, above us in bed, we've got yeah. this metal artwork stuff. It's, I say artwork. That makes it sound like it's expensive. It's oh, cheap. Okay. It's like <laughs> Ikea, right? But 
He's, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's, Somebody made it. Yeah. So we got this. We got this above our head. Yeah. All of a sudden, bam! It gets hit for whatever reason, and and, you, right. and something f- yeah. fell yeah. in dust. the bed. No, it was hard though, wasn't it? Because I mean, anyway. Oh, oh, I've just suddenly thought. What's that? We were talking about that hard thing that's in the quilt. <laughs> Yeah, There's, they, we've got this. We don't know where it's come from, but we've had this this quilt for probably right. about only about a year or two, isn't it? It's not like. But the other day, Bella found like a. There's almost like a marble inside the actual quilt itself. So not inside the <gasps> Ooh, quilt, cover, okay. But in but the inside actual... the quilt itself. I wonder whether that's yeah. got anything to do with it. Yeah. Well, you can go cut it open and see what it is. It's on your Ooh. side. So. It is on my side. Yeah. <laughs> No, actually, I flipped it. You think it's on my side. <laughs> so, yeah, we've had some really weird things go on in the house here. And I suppose if you were to put them all together mm. and really dramatise it and put it in yeah. a movie, you've got these shadows going down the hallway. You've got... Mm. We've both... Oh, I tell you, <laughs> the dog has got a bell, okay? She's got a bell oh. that she rings when she wants <laughs> yeah. to go outside to the toilet. Very clever dog. It's, it's like the... Um, like, it's like a, ho- it's like a yeah. hotel reception bell, you Yeah. Know? And so the dog, when she wants to go out, walks up, she bangs the bell, and she goes outside. We were all, the three of us, oh. me, you, Bryce, and Lily, the dog was That's in there four. as well. That's four. I said the three of us mm-hmm. as, okay. in adult, as in people <laughs> and the dog. We were all in the lounge the other day watching something on TV. All of a sudden, the bell rings in the kitchen. And nobody's out the there. Door. There's nobody oh. out there, no one else okay. in the house. The dog looks at us as if to say, I think I need to go to the toilet now, <laughs> and runs out into the kitchen. Of course, there's no one in there. The dog's thinking, who's rung my bell? Who needs to go to the toilet? Yeah. Bizarre. But yeah. lots of things like that. And so ah. if you were to string them all together into a movie, you would say, okay, I would mm. move out. But we haven't moved out. But it's not malicious, whatever it is. No. It's not. It's No. You know. No. I mean, the very first thing that happened, if you remember, not too long after we moved in here, I was doing dishes and I actually, and I had a dish, a, a, a wash, a yeah. dishcloth. And I left the kitchen and then I walked back in the kitchen and it was on the side and it was formed into a perfect teepee and it was wet. It was just sitting up like that. And I like ran out of the kitchen. Yeah. (laughs) Like, you got to come look at this. And you're like, yeah, whatever. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. So there are strange things afoot, definitely. (laughs) Has this been going on for as long as you've been doing the podcast or a little bit before? No, do you know what? Uh, It's funny you should ask that. I tell you when it happened or or Mm. when it really started to manifest was just before episode 30. And I know that it was just before episode 30 because it was right before... We had Drew and it, the guys it, come it, from the paranormal it, thing. If this is something, was episode 30 scary? Because no, if it no, was, I'm leaving. No, episode 30 was the one with, with Drew, the spun guy. Oh, right, okay. I arranged the interview with those, and then things started happening. Yeah. Right, like weeks before they, mm. they were due to come. Yeah, or because they actually came to the house. Yeah, yeah well, it didn't do anything local. while they were here. No, no, it didn't. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh, right. So nothing until then. Yes. It, it's almost like you can contaminate someone else with the paranormal things. I, I swear that's true. You can kind of contaminate someone else to have really sort of experience. Well, they hadn't even been here then. We just, yeah. we literally just, I'd just spoken to Drew and arranged it. And that's, yeah. that's really as far as it's well, gone. Well, if we have an uptick, we're coming mm-hmm. to Cheltenham. Yeah. We're going to be knocking on your door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it would be interesting actually to have someone come here well, and try and tell us what yeah, it is because yeah. I do know a story of something that happened here and Ooh. whether that's what yes, is yeah. related to what's going on, I don't know. But I'm not really scared of it here. It's a shame we're not yeah. close there, yeah, because I, I love doing things. I love going around people's houses. They go, oh, I've got this, I've got that. And it's like, okay, what can I sense? What can I, I do like doing walkthroughs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, whatever oh. it is, it's not mean yeah no i what do you this no. not mean every time something happens you shit yourself well only just then i'm fine the rest of the time <laughs> yeah no to be honest with you there's you you walk into the house and you, you know sometimes you go into a place and you feel you know i can remember when i was a kid my grandparents house in london mm. you used to go in there and you knew even as a kid 
It was just oppressive. It was really oppressive. This and they were lovely yeah. people, my grandparents, and it wasn't anything to yeah. do with them. It was I loved the time that I was there. They were right next to a train track, and I used to love sitting in the bedroom watching the trains. And yeah. you know, it was a lovely, lovely place, a lovely atmosphere, lovely people. But there would be certain mm-hmm. hallways, certain rooms that you go into them, and you just felt this heavy, oppressive feeling. We don't have yeah. that here. Mm-mm. I don't feel any oh. part of this house that I'm scared of or I feel quite relaxed in this house. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I don't know what Just wait till tomorrow because it's listening, you know. Mm. So I'm like, oh, oh. <laughs> what can I do? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I live opposite what was used to be a church in an old graveyard or, or they got rid of the church and uh, they dug up all the graves and put them in another graveyard. So, But I've only had a, like a ghost cat here. I think it's my cat because I've got a big black cat. Uh, I think it's him, but it's not. <laughs> and then one night, listening to a podcast as usual in bed, and I saw this figure, a black figure, about three foot high, run out my cupboard towards my bed. And I just went, excuse me, I'm going to swear. Fuck off. Because <laughs> it really scared me. Mm, yeah, that <laughs> I, I don't think, like little things. Yeah, that would like scare me. Things like that. Yeah, that oh. would definitely scare me too. Well, the cat would scare me because I just hate cats. <laughs> I, you know, oh I apologise. I apologise. You, no. You're a cat lover. No, you, you don't hate cats. You hate what cats do to you. That's what. Yeah, you're I'm like. allergic to cats. Oh no, and I fear yeah. cats. I really do. I mean, if I'm to have a nightmare about something in yeah. this world that can hurt me, <laughs> it's not people, monsters, or anything. It's it's cats. It's it's big cats. I'm I'm petrified of big oh. cats. We watched Tiger oh, King gosh. the other day. I didn't sleep for a week. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> the thought of this guy going into the cages oh. with tigers, you're mad. Well, 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 careful when you do go to Cheltenham to visit your son because there's big black cats around there. There's, I've heard. There's lots of reports. Yeah, yes. yeah, that's okay. I'll I'll just pull up. I'll open the door, he can jump in and we'll go. Yeah. Well, luckily, he, um, he won't be outside anyway because he doesn't leave his room other than when he has to. Oh. Yeah, 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 bless him. Anyway, <laughs> Michelle, it's been absolutely amazing speaking to you. Oh, thank you. Thanks for being patient with me. I uh, <laughs> a little bit, still feel a little bit nervous, but I think that's adrenaline. <laughs> no, no, no. Your blog is Mystical Times blog. What's the address people can go to? Oh, gosh, I wrote this down because even I didn't blooming know. Mysticaltimes.blogspot.com Lovely. And we'll put a link to that in our show notes as well. So you can definitely get to it by clicking on that and that'll take you right there. We really recommend that you have a look at it. And also every Sunday, it used to be when I was young, I used to see my father and my grandfather sit down at the table with the Sunday (laughs) newspapers. People don't do that anymore, but this is a really good alternative. Yeah, because now he doesn't cook the Sunday roast anymore and nothing. He's just like, I've got to go read a blog. Sorry. I'm trying to get you to learn to cook. Anyway, anyway, thank you very much for spending the time with us, Michelle. Really do appreciate it. You've been fantastic. Oh, thank you. You've both been brilliant. Well, I really enjoyed that. That was a really good interview. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And I didn't realise that she was a psychic as well. There's some pretty interesting stories in there. We're definitely going to have to get around to the house, like she said. Yeah, she said yeah. if we lived closer, but I can pick her up, so that's fine. <laughs> but we'll have to get her over to here and check in out, see if she can find out what we've got in our yeah. house with us. Okay. Sounds like a plan. When lockdown is over. Yeah, if that ever happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if she did it now, she'd probably turn up and the ghost would say, I'm sorry, can't come that close. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're not wearing a fucking distancing. mask. <laughs> okay, don't forget to check our show notes where you can find the link to the Mystical Times blog. You can also reach us on Instagram, we are at Weird Wacky Wonderful Podcast. On Facebook, we are at Weird Wacky Wonderful Stories Podcast. On Twitter, we are at the WWW Podcast. You can email us on mail at weirdwackywonderful.co.uk and you can go to our website and read all about us and our guests and even send us messages from there on www.weirdwackywonderful.co.uk. Now you can talk. Yeah, because they're really going to go trying to find us and all them. It would take them a year to type all that in. <laughs> Well, while you're doing that, you can always remain weird, wacky. Ah! <laughs> you, you're messing with me now, aren't yeah, you? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Ready? No. Oh. Okay, okay. Okay, I'm ready. Pinky square, we're going to do it the same. Pink. Okay. Weird, weird wacky, wacky, and, and wonderful. wonderful. Like me. And she wishes. Woo!